Welcome to Making Conversations Count, the podcast show that brings you business leaders to share their pivotal moments, a conversation that really caused a turning point in their life or career. Now, today joining me, Wendy Harris, your host, I have Jem Hills, ex-Special Forces now turned performance team coach. I've had the pleasure of having a conversation with Jem before. I know that his pivotal moment is going to be inspirational and I'll just allow Jem to introduce himself. Jem. Hi Wendy and thank you for inviting me on here. Just to give everybody a little bit of my background, slightly different to most. Well, the starting point, I was really badly bullied. So a lot of people actually go through that. It was at that time where I completely lost all my self-confidence and the worst thing was losing yourself worse. And I couldn't communicate. I couldn't hardly go out. Unfortunately for me, I managed to find my confidence again through dance. That dance was something called Northern Soul. It was a bit of a street dance and urban culture at the time, quite a few years ago. But I saw these guys doing this dance. I had no confidence at the time, but I knew I wanted to do it. So I ended up going back to my safe haven, which was my bedroom at the time, getting hold of some of this music and practicing and practicing and practicing and slowly getting better at this dance. And that gave me the confidence to go onto a dance floor and start dancing it. And then on one occasion, you look back in your life, as you say, pivotal moments. And my earliest one, it was a Northern Soul event and they announced a dance competition. I would not have normally gone into a dance competition, but everybody seemed to get up. It was a really great song. Everybody was on the dance floor and I just thought, why not? So got on the dance floor, started dancing, and noticed that the judges were walking around the dance floor and tapping people on the shoulder. And as they were tapping people on the shoulder, the space around me started to grow. The Northern Soul, it's a bit of a freestyle dance. And I started to start to think, for the first time in my life, I might be good at something. And I probably exaggerated my movements a little bit. But I got into this zone, and I, I got into an amazing place. Unfortunately, just before the record ended, I was tapped on the shoulder and I was asked to sit down. But that two minutes, two and a half minutes, changed my life because it was the first time I ever felt that I could do something. But I wanted more of that feeling. So I found out where other dance competitions were. I went home to my little safe haven, practiced what they had been doing and started going to other dance competitions. And I got into the top 20, top 10 and somehow actually managed to win some of these dance competitions. And there's two things that gave me, it gave me back the confidence that I didn't have because I was getting good at something and I had a passion. You know, my life just resolved at that stage around Northern Seoul and about finding where these other venues were so I could go and practice and do more dancing. But it was also giving me a fitness, which I hadn't realized. Those two combined, when somebody showed me a picture of the Royal Marines and I didn't really have any aspirations for going anywhere. I just saw this poster and it excited me and it became a dream to actually go and join the Royal Marines. So I volunteered and I applied to join the Royal Marines and then I passed. It's a bit of a difficult course, 36 weeks, probably one of the hardest military training courses on the planet. And so I enrolled in this with 49 other guys and we went through this Royal Marine Commando training. And the great thing, well, the fortunate thing about Royal Marine Commando training for me is that it's designed to help people pass. It's not actually designed to make you fail. So as long as you stick with it and you stay the course and you do what's asked, I started that course as a fairly weak individual. It grows you. 
it grows your body and it grows your mind and it teaches you lots of things, including you know, determination and about resilience. So I passed out as a Royal Marine. I joined 4-5 Commando, which is the Arctic Warfare Commando and spends quite a bit of time up in the Arctic Circle, down to minus 35, operating in those conditions. They taught me how to ski. They taught me how to climb mountains. I'm not what we call yomping mountains. We've spent a lot of time in the mountains. And that was, again, building my fitness and helping my mindset grow to achieving great things. And four years on, I then took the option of going to special forces, which is taking that bar to the extreme level. So to take you back to the dancing, there's a couple of things that sort of strike me that I'm sure the listeners will agree as well, is that by chance, really, a love of doing something in your bedroom privately without letting people know about it. And just by chance, getting up and joining in with something with no expectation, that first pivotal moment that showed you that actually by chance leading you there, that you were actually better than you thought. It's not just about you being your own critic. Other people were judging you on that dance floor to the point where you very nearly were the last one standing. With that, it's like if I look back, I really, when it started, I had no confidence. So it was a case of I was watching something from afar. I was watching these guys doing this dance initially, but I dare not participate. I'd never seen it before. And it was taking that idea, absolutely not knowing if I was going to be any good or not. I just wanted to do it. And I didn't know it was going to transform you know, or develop into something that became a, a real passion in my life. I just, I didn't have anything else in my life. And when I started practicing it in my bedroom, you know, just by memory of what they were doing, and it was only as we started to go to different clubs and different places, it actually then started to get better. But that journey of dance and going and entering other competitions and finally going on to win one, when you saw that poster boy of, you know, the Marines, in effect, the dance had kind of given you that inner resilience, if you like, to go, well, why can't I do that? I'm sure I could give that a go. So that natural resilience and fitness that you'd got through the dance was kind of just like sowing the seeds and the foundation of what you were going to need as that next step up. Is that 36-week programme, is it as close to the programme that we see, the SAS, Who You Who Dares? Is it close to that or is that just television? When we talk about forces, we've got sort of normal forces and then we have a different level, which is what we call special forces. The Royal Marine Commandos are infantry, the higher end of the infantry level. And it's a tough course. It is a long course, but for military basic training, yeah, that 36 weeks, but it's designed to take somebody who's a total civilian at one end and push them out of a very effective fighting machine at the other end. And in the process of doing that, because they want such a high skilled soldier at the end or Royal Marine, the process is quite long because there's a lot of training that has to go in there to build your mindset up and your body. I think nearly everybody starts off not as fit as they would like. And so it's a traumatic change those first few weeks into the amount of physical activity that you do. That's sort of basic military training. Four years later, I volunteered to go to the elite level, which is taking that training to a subsonic level. And it's a different type of training. They're looking for different types of people They're looking for people who have gone through military training, but are willing to operate on their own and actually ask questions. So there's a whole different sort of process and push yourself further. And I think that's one of the things about 
military training, you get taught resilience. And it doesn't matter which unit you're joining, but you get taught to push yourself further than you probably imagined. And if I look back to some of the hardest things that we do in basic raw marine training, one of the hardest things is the mudroom. You wouldn't do it in your first week. You have to build up to be at a good physical standard to actually go on a mud run. You think you're probably about to die because they're pushing you. Your body is not working, but your mind is trying to give up. The whole time you're pushing your mind to keep going, keep going, keep going. They know when your body can't take it anymore and they will stop you. They'll pull you back and then take you back again and build you up. So it's a gradual build-up program. Be able to complete the commando training, which is right at the end of the course. And it's all about that mindset. It's overcoming what our mind is telling us that we can't do this. You actually can do it. So we can all do a lot more than what we think we can. Sometimes we need to have somebody to help us do that. Um, Would you say that a key part of the success for that training being set up for success is the communication that goes on between the trainers and those going through the training? Because it's like no man left behind kind of attitude, isn't it, as well, that you've got to really pull together as a team strengths, weaknesses, and have that kind of bond as a unit. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things I've learned. And I mean, now, I'm, as you mentioned, I'm an inspirational speaker and performance coach. One of the main things that you've got is that culture that you have in the Royal Marines and you have in Special Forces. It's like rocket dust. If you could bottle it and actually sell it, it'd be worth a fortune because guys will do anything for each other. Guys end up putting their lives on the line for each other. Mm. And it's like, why do they do that? It's because they have such a belief in what they do. They believe in in the organization and they have a belief in each other. And that's taught from culture. In the Marines, we call it an esprit de corps. But, you know, if you take that into industry, it's having that culture and making sure the culture works. I've worked with lots of different companies and some have an amazing culture within it and some don't. And you know the ones that don't have a great culture, people will leave. It will implode. It just doesn't have the vision to get where they want to go. So it's so important to be able to transform that culture when you're starting a company to make sure it comes with you and everybody believes in that culture. And I'm guessing the transition then from Marine to Special Forces, where you're expected to be on your own and independent of that core, you've got to really have the best interests of the core, if you like, at heart in all of those things that you are undertaking as a representative of it. I know that you can't talk about what you were doing as special forces, but how long were you in the special forces for, Jem? I had four years in the Marines, and then I had, very fortunately, 20 years in UK special forces. And I look back at that, and it was such an amazing time. And where they've gone now, I mean, the organisation that I joined was quite small, and it has grown into this massive elite organisation. And extremely privileged to work with some amazing people. I just can't describe some of those people. Books are written about those people. They're some of the most amazing people that walk this planet. It's tough to get in it, but it's an extreme privilege to actually be and walk with these, what I consider their legends, their gods. They're they're amazing people, you know, doing a job that is really tough at the end of the day. Jem, I think you need to be reminded that you walked with them too. So you're equally remarkable for the things that you've done and gone through. And I'm pretty sure that you know, a 24-year military career 
there's nothing to be sniffed at. I'm guessing that there's been some fairly significant sacrifices too along the way. So, you know, as a country, I'm sure we owe you quite a debt that we don't even realise. Yeah, I know there's always sacrifices. It's still, when I look back, it's making the most of it. And you mentioned a couple of things. I was, I was chatting to you know, one of the guys I actually went through special forces training with last night. Very rarely do we get together or anything like that. I got a call. We never brag about what we've done because when you're in it, you don't boast. You just get on and do the job. It's like in the center of excellence. You have to be better or as good as the person next to you and the caliber of people you're working with. And we just don't, we don't shout about what we've done. We don't shout about how great you were. We actually, that, that caliber of people is amazing. And sometimes you forget that you've been working with people like that. And, and the conversation was like that last night. And we're just chatting that we don't talk, we don't shout out somewhere that this is what we've done. I mean, on a podcast now talking about it, but we've done it. We've it's been there. private. Yeah. yeah. And to be fair, I have pressed you on it. So I'm sure it wasn't in your mind to come on and say anything along those lines. But I think it's important, you know, recognition goes a long way to keep your confidence as well in what it is that you're doing, because sometimes, you know, you forget how brilliant you are, uh, you know, as an individual. I know sometimes, you know, self-doubt creeps in and takes sometimes for somebody to remind you just how brilliant you are. So thank you for that. So, Jem, you know, everybody comes on the show that I invite them to think about a pivotal moment. With 24 years behind you in the military, I'm pretty sure there's got to be more than one. But I'll ask you to share that one moment with the listeners now and with me. When you asked about those different questions, you always look back and you go, you know, what did change my life? And having served for, you know, 24 years, you come out and it's like, what next? What's next? My mum had actually, she was going through, she got cancer and it was terminal. So I'd gone home and I was helping her out. My mum died. And the first call I got after that was from the 2IC of the unit I was in saying, Jim, really sorry to hear about your mum. Would you like to come back? Which was a bit of a shock. And I, I, I was like... I need a bit of time to think about this, but I've been out for two years and I called him back two days later and said, man, my mindset is coming out. I wanted to get into business. I wanted to get a much better understanding of you know, life on the outside. And so I didn't go back in. But shortly after that, I got a second call. Or in fact, I got the third call and we'll come back to the second call. But the third call, which was a pivotal moment, was that conversation. And it was, is that Jem Hills? Are you available? We have a thing called, you know, when you leave special forces, there is a thing called the circuit. And everybody knows who's on the circuit. It's not written down. You just know who's left special forces and that they're available. Or you, somebody will know somebody or somebody who's available. And they'll just give you a call when there's a certain job. And I got this call and it was, you know, are you available? But there's three things you need to know. You need to know them quite quickly. And it was um, job description, how long, how much. When I asked the job description, it was flying around the world looking after somebody wealthy. How long was, initially we'll give you a three-month contract, but in close protection or as a bodyguard, if you get on, it could be for life. If you don't get on, it will be a day. But we'll give you an initial contract of three months and see how you go. And then the third question is how much? And the answer to that question, nobody had ever offered me that much money before. I was like, we need to meet. And he said, okay, tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock in London. Met the guy, and a week later, I was on an aircraft to Brunei. I arrived in Brunei, 11 o'clock at night. You know, it's when you get off a, a long haul flight, a little bit uh, disorientated. Jay it was did. so hot. Yeah, and, and yeah. Uh, you know, 30 degrees. The humidity was incredible. You know, walking just off the aircraft, 
you know, like you're sweating, you know, every, everything. And I hadn't come prepared to that. So I had you know, a nice coat on and I was looking quite smart. 11 o'clock at night, I was there to meet my new boss. And the sweat just started to pour off me. And so I, I met this guy and, and he said, look, Jen, I know you're probably knackered now. He said, here's the keys to your new Range Rover. Uh, follow me. We'll drive down to your new accommodation, which happened to be the guest house at Palace 4. And he said, have a good night's sleep. I'll meet you at this hotel 10 o'clock in the morning and we'll discuss the job. And I took over as head of security for one of the richest guys on the planet, Prince Jeffrey of Brunei. And I had a, an amazing two-year period. I ended up having a whole team of people helping me to look after this guy. Did you ever expect that that was going to be something that you would end up doing when you left the military? No. Having <laughs> said that, I came top of my bodyguarding course. So I had that skill set. I hadn't planned to go out and become a bodyguard. I had a place at Henley Business School to do a, an MBA. But with my mum getting terminal cancer, I, I cancelled that and went home. And so that sort of changed everything. And then I got the offer of this job and you just take it when you need it. So I you know, took the job as an opportunity. Doing the military as a bodyguard, you do it with a massive amount of backup. But what I wanted to do was actually do it as a civilian with no backup, just to see what it was like to put myself in that position. So I've done it. It's on my CV. And it is different. It's that competitive edge in you, I think, Jem, isn't it? To, to just prove one more, push the boundary just a little bit further. You know, you could have walked away after three months. That was the initial offer. But two years mustn't have been too bad. It was amazing. Yeah, completely opened my eyes to a different world when you're dealing with that amount of wealth. But doing that job for two years or a continuous amount of time, you suddenly realize that you don't have your life anymore. You're working for something. And I wanted more than that. I, you know, yes. I wanted to be me. Although I was doing a great job, I didn't really have a purpose. And I was just doing what was necessary to make sure everybody in the team was safe. The principle is always safe. So you're constantly working that. But I went for a run on one of the beaches and it's like the white sands is to die for. And I just ran and I was sat on this log and I was like, now what? What do I want? And I what didn't know what I wanted. Want? I teach this stuff a lot. We get so comfortable in our comfort zone, but the excitement happens just over there. And you've got to take those steps and you've got to take them on a regular basis to challenge ourselves. Otherwise, we do lose our purpose and we do lose, you know, what are we here for? Life is not a dress rehearsal. You know, I do not want to be sitting at my graveside or waiting you know, in God's waiting room thinking, what are the regrets? Don't have any regrets. No, time's too short. Certainly this year has taught us all that time is too short and to make the most and best of the time that we have. I so understand where you're coming from, that you're serving somebody else, that you kind of lose who Jem is. What does Jem want? You know, what's Jem getting out of this? But sometimes you have to have that headspace like a run to let those thoughts in for you to actually listen to yourself as well. Give yourself that room to have the conversation with yourself. So going back to the second call. That was the second call. It was the first call. And that, that, the first call was pretty similar, but it was a friend of mine. The, the second call I, I'd never heard from him before. And the actual second call was a guy I've worked for. He'd been one of my bosses. And this is the one that actually set the seeds in, in motion. He was um, saying, I've got a couple of contracts that might interest you. Come and have a coffee. He'd recently set his own global security company up and he got these two contracts. One was for 
Madonna and the other one was the Claudia Schiffer. <laughs> and I was like, wow. And, you know, you've gone through like the best bodyguarding school in the world. People want you because of that. You've got a skill set that is required. I was like thinking now, you know, the option of these two, which one? And it's like, Jim, you can have either, either one of these. You know, which one would you like to do? And, I, and I'm thinking, well, there's no way I could control Madonna. And to be a bodyguard, you, you actually, <laughs> you're, like, you're a security PA. You manage their lives. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd be with you. I'd be on the flight to Brunel and uh, trying to keep up with Madonna, <laughs> definitely. Yes, I was like, I'll take Claudia. I'd seen the film. <laughs> and it was six months in LA and six months in London. And But he turned around and he went, Jim, don't take both of those because I need an operations officer in my new office. Yeah, And you'd be great at doing that. No, nah, I want Claudia. And he said, <laughs> OK, have a, have a week to think about it. So, I mean, that was the first call I got. And it was during that week that I got the second call, which was the one that after the how much, I was like, we need to chat. And then during the interview of that process in that cafe in London, when he started to talk about you know the principal, the, the guy I'd be looking after ultimately, it blew me away. You don't see these opportunities coming, but when they do happen, you know, jump at them, I mean, both feet, get in there, do yes. it. I had no idea where that was going to lead to, but when I'm coaching, I, I think it's very important that you know, we can be walking down a corridor and we can come to a door. If you're lucky enough, you can have an option of you know, looking through the door and taking a peek and do you want to go through it? Or sometimes we don't get a choice to go to see what's on the other side of the door. You know, we have to take that leap of faith and just go. And sometimes what you see through the door isn't necessarily what you're going to get when you open it. That's Absolutely. also important yeah. to know. Jem, what an incredible story. Thank you so much for bringing that to share with us today. I really appreciate that. If people want to pick up the conversation with you, any Claudia fans, <laughs> how do they get in touch with you, Jem? Where's the best place for them to find you? My website is pretty easy, Jem at jemhills.com. I'm on Facebook, Jem Hills and LinkedIn. Jem Hills so, there as well. Yeah, I'm just Jem Hills. I mean, that's it. Jem Hills. Um, yeah. So if anybody you know wants to have a conversation, yeah, I am a performance coach. I love taking people to that next level. We all need some help every now and again. Yeah. And and by performance now, Jem, we're talking of a mental variety as opposed to a physical variety, correct? Depends. Depends. Ah. But it starts in the mind. Yes. Whatever yes. it is, it starts in the mind. And I think there's a for me, just going out and doing a walk is, is really important. We have to have exercise. You know, keep, to perform at an optimum level, we've got to make sure our body and our mind are working together. And we need to have a fit body. We need to have a fit mind. And it's, it's both of those. You know, it's personal development, upstairs and downstairs. And if you're not exercising, then you're not just giving your, chance, your body a chance. And it doesn't have to be extreme. I've done exercise to the extreme and I'm not telling that you know, that's what you have to go and do. Yes, yeah. But just doing something gets the heart going, it gets the circulation going. And as you said earlier, when you do something like that, it gives you a chance to think. Yes. You know, it's, it's a yes. bit of space. And that is really important as well. I have a great morning routine. You know, it's exercise. There's some mindset stuff in there. There's you know, a bit of meditation. I, I, I have to do yoga. I, I didn't mention it, but I... I Broke my back in, in service. I had a parachute accident and it took me a, a while physically and mentally to get over that. I'm pretty much okay. Some people disagree with that, but I'm fairly okay. It's just a case of you know, having a routine. And part of that is that exercise. If I don't do it in the morning, it won't happen in the rest of the day because 
other stuff. No, you know room how much other it. stuff there is out there. Yeah, there's been no room for it. Well, Gem, you've shared some great tips there as well on, you know, helping start the day. Get yourself in the right mindset. If anybody wants more help, please do reach out to Gem on all the platforms. We'll pop the details into the show notes for you as well. Uh, All I can say is thank you for joining me, Gem. Thank you for listening. Please remember to subscribe on the website which is www.makingconversationscount.studio forward slash podcast you'll never miss an episode then thanks so much for listening see you next time